The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. Good evening, Rick. Would you believe it's, it's Dr. Doom? What's on your evil mind? Oh, you insulting tongue in my, my words. Well, how about this rumor that you are really hired, Mr. Stark? And welcome to another assigned episode of the Quick Nation's Comic Book Chronicles. I'm your host, Tim D-O-Double-G. And I'm joined by the man behind the sound effects, at Agent underscore 70 on Twitter. What's up, everybody? And it's just the two of us tonight. Yeah, we're running a tag team tonight. Tag team in this stuff, man. Tag team. Back, back again. again. <laughs> so Roddy had a family engagement to handle and PCN Dirt is under the weather. Yeah, he may hop on if he wakes up while we're recording, but I highly doubt it. He's probably in a medic- in medicine induced stupor. That would be my guess. Yeah. So we wish him well and we'll march on in his absence. But also remember to go to his website, popculturenetwork.com. And of course, go to theclicknation.com where you can find previous episodes of the Comic Book Chronicles and Comic Book Reviews. On the homepage, you'll see links to our social media accounts on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Google+. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube.com forward slash The Click Nation and on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, TuneIn Radio. We are a part of the Coast of the Podcast Network. Go to CSPN.us. Do it today. And while you're there, make sure to buy some Comic Book Chronicles merchandise by going to shop.CSPN.us. Remember, we record live every Thursday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. And if you're on social media discussing comic books, join in the conversation by using the hashtags CBCron and Comic Book Chronicles. So to kick off this week of comic book reviews, we're going to spotlight the Justice League of America Rebirth issue that spun out of the Justice League versus Suicide Squad crossover event with Batman forming his own team of Justice Leaguers. But he has a a reason behind his madness of why he's forming yet another super team. Right. I thought that was a pretty interesting premise. And spoiler alert, um, you know, it's an interesting variety of characters and the stated purpose is basically, you know, it, it's I'm, I'm, I'm sort of paraphr- I'm going to paraphrase what, uh, Batman st- says in the book, but it's basically to help. Uh, he's forming a team that can help show, you know, regular everyday people that they can be heroes also. And I'm like, wow, that's actually uh, a pretty noble cause, uh, comparatively speaking to some of the other, uh, you know, so for compared to the reason the the reason for the existence of some so many other uh, superhero groups. Yeah. So the more human aspect of the team, something right. that that people can look up to. Exactly, exactly. I mean, you know, so why is Lobo on the team? What? That's, that, was, that was my one question. They're like, yeah, this is, you know, it was like, he had the one, Batman had the one line about no gods on the team. Right. It's like, okay, well, Lobo's a alien, like, you can't, was it, uh, it no, I guess not immortal, but, yeah, I guess you, you, know, you can't be killed, because we saw his head, I think, get blown off in the exactly. Justice League. Exactly. That's what I crossed over. Exactly. Well, I mean, he's he's definitely, you know, 
I would say like functionally immortal, you know, in that regard, you know, he's got that super healing ability. You know, it's funny when you look at the team, all you have to do is look at the cover and, uh, you know, actually sometimes, you, you know, you don't realize it, but you're going through and you're kind of checking off boxes. Right. Right. And you've got various um, boxes of, uh, of uh, you know, gender, racial minority, even sexual orientation um, going through all this. And reform villain is in there, too. Right. Uh, you know, that's what's interesting. But then you have Lobo. So what demographic is he speaking to really? You know? But he, uh, Steve Orlando's done a good job of sort of, I mean, maybe it's not, I was going to say the word rehabilitate Lobo, but sort of uh, redesign him. him. Yeah. Reboot him, perhaps. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it. You kind of, like I said, like utilizing him, you know, in a he more, he rebirthed it. <laughs> Yeah, finding a better way to use them. That's pretty much it. So, so, so it? all good things. Um, the art from Ivan Rice, if you're a DC fan, you're very familiar with his work on Aquaman and Justice League over the years. Sure. And like I always joke, this is DC house style. It's Jim Lee-esque. Eh, I guess, yeah, I guess so. He is very polished, though. Oh, definitely. Still, definitely. Like you, you see him on a team book, you immediately, or at least I immediately think, epic scale. Mm-hmm. So, uh, all in all, I like how uh, I saw a website or two uh, reference this team as sort of basically Batman's outsiders. That's a good point. I, and I didn't even think of it that way. It is. So, it's, 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 so instead of putting the outsider's name to them who, and people not giving a crap care about the team, add just a sleep to it. Correct. <laughs> Shout out Bat to Wayne. Matt Wang 97. <laughs> About how do you make it out of the snow, I think he said. No, but his most recent tweet is, did you just rebirth him more? <laughs> oh, mercy. We certainly did. Poor Lobo. Because, yeah. you know, he had to be rebirthed once in that... Uh, well, No, that was New 52 Lobo, wasn't it? Yeah. That... The skinny hippie, hip, hippie Lobo? Yep. Yeah. So he did have to be rebirthed a couple of times, apparently. And at the end, last page, we got our obligatory storylines look for it too in 2017 that all these number one team books seem to be doing nowadays. Right. Because uh, ultimately I was about to say, ultimately this issue doesn't have much to it other than, you know, getting the band together. So they kind of had to end, you know, with that, you know, like here's what's upcoming. You know, it doesn't actually um, start an actual story to, you know, lead into the next issue. It, it really is like a simple, it's not a simple issue, but it's, it's, it really is um, a one and done getting the band together issue. And that's what these rebirth one shots have been just to introduce you to the team or character mm-hmm. and then go from there, get things rolling, which is what we did here. Yep. So we had teasers of Ray, the Ray versus Lobo, uh, a red cloaked uh, woman talking to Killer Frost, calling her a sister. Batman holding a Liberty shield. I think, I guess in reference to a Liberty bell character from JSA or somewhere in the DC history. Is that what that is? Good. I good call. So. I, I'm not familiar with it. So I had to like read another art uh, websites review of it. Okay. I was about to and say, that's a deep cut right there, man. I, I didn't realize that you were up on your JSA stuff. I'm not, <laughs> <laughs> not at all. And I felt like there was one other tease that I'm not, remembering right now but but yeah that's that was yeah. real quick i know you weren't what wasn't um happy harbor isn't that where they had young justice um the in cartoon. the 
in the car- Young Justice cartoon it is, but it is right. Yes, and it's also again another website that I had to read. Uh, brought this up. It's also one of the. I think it was the first home of the Justice League back in the early days. I think so. So, it's cool to bring back all these, you know, things like that. Yeah. Well, Happy yeah, like Harvard. we yeah we joke about like the deep cuts and the and the references. So, like you yeah. said, it is cool. Um, at Matt Wang ninety seven just tweeted at us. Um, saying that he feels the DC Comics art style, the house style right now, is a mix of Jim Lee and Brian Hitch. That's actually a pretty fair uh, statement, I think, because it, there, there is some sort of, you know, there's like a softening of the Jim Lee style, I think, that, um, you know, combining the two brings to the table. I, I definitely see that. I agree. Yeah. All right. Uh, before we move on, I want to, because it kind of ties into Justice League Rebirth, Justice League of America Rebirth. Right. And, it is, it is Detective Comics 950. I'm it glad was, you made it through this. I started flipping through this, and I was like, how many stories are in this thing? But I yeah, think that's going to be one of your highlights of the book. Yeah, well, the um, I've been reading Detective Comics since Rebirth started, so I'm all. it's been one of my favorite series so far. So I was all, you know, they had me already with all the mm-hmm. different stories. The only one, only one I didn't, don't really care about is John Paul Valley, just because I don't care I about the character. Yeah, They, like, rebooted him. But even that kind of looks interesting, whatever threat is coming out of that. But the important story is the one at the end where we go back a couple months and it's uh, we see Red Robin and Batman interacting. Did you read that part? No, I didn't get to that part. I did skim this book. I, I, you know, it was mostly they mostly focused upon um, or at least the part that I read through. I, I got through the, uh, the orphan story. I skipped over the, uh, the Jean-Paul Valley story, but I did not make it all the way to the end to get to uh, that part. So the importance of this was, if for those who don't know... Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Am I, call, am I ringing it? Oh, well, yeah, sure. I guess. Okay. Uh, this has happened months ago, but Red Robin is thought to be dead. He sacrificed himself to save Gotham, but really he got transported away before a bunch of missiles blew into smithereens by the Mister mysterious Mr. Oz character that's been... Uh, in the background shadows of the Superman comic books over the last year, mm-hmm. he's been held prisoner. But in this story, we see a flashback to Red Robin sort of cornering Batman and it's like, okay, I see what you're doing. You know, be blunt with me. What's up? And this, for one, this shows or displays Tim Drake's uh, masterful detective skills because pre new 52, he was able to decipher Batman's secret identity so here he's using his detective skills to sort of lay out what Batman has been doing since we first started. Right. So he, on a, a computer screen, he puts up Nightwing and says how, you know, Nightwing is sort of living between two worlds, between spy organizations and I guess like deep cover type things. So that's, that's one uh, side of the DCU cover. Uh, Red Hood, who's starring in Red Hood and the Outlaws, which actually came out this week, which I am enjoying, but I haven't read it yet. But Red Hood, uh, in in Red Hood and the Outlaws, he's gone undercover to infiltrate Black Mask organization and take down, you know, Gotham's underworld uh, belly. So mm. he's like, so Red Robin's like, okay, you've got uh, Red Hood handling the you know the mobsters and the underbelly of you know Gotham City, the crime world. He was like, Duke Thomas, you're not training him to be a Robin. You're training him to be something different. Uh, and he was like, you know, myself, I, I've been neglecting my Teen Titans duties 
And it wouldn't surprise me if you've been whispering in Damien's ear that he needs to uh, find community among people his own age. In other words, go, you know, be with the Titans. Right. And he was like, and then he says, uh, what he, oh yeah, he says, what's next? Uh, A new, he said, what's next? Your own version of the Justice League. Yeah, I see it. Yeah, Justice League. So he's like, you're, you've got your tentacles and all these different parts of the DCU. And then coming back to Detective, he brought all these people together to form them as a team to fight this, for, he brought them all together for this reason. He was like, you know, what war are you trying to prepare everyone for? And then it just says, you know, teases. Do you have it open there? Yeah, it says, Dark Days Are Coming 2017. Yeah. Shit's about to hit the fan. There you go. Interesting and stuff. It, so it had me thinking, like, I'm, like, thinking big picture and sort of, like, into the past. Like, when, uh, for one, I... It, I give James Tinian, the fourth writer, props for coming up with that whole sort of like laying it out there like that. And two, I wonder when, uh, even though they're under different uh, families as far as uh, editors go at DC, like, you know, Batman books are under the Batman family. I want to say, I guess, I guess maybe Teen Titans, I guess Teen Titans might be considered under the Batman family since it has a, a Robin on it. Yeah, I don't like, know if they have. Yeah, I was about to say I don't know how the editorial assignments are are broken up for DC. So I would say that it, that's probably um, I, if it's not its own area of the DCU, it would probably fall under the Batman wing. Yeah, because I guess um, Red Hood and Outlaws is considered, I guess, under the Batman as well. Mm-hmm. So, like, part of me is wondering, like, at the Batman retreat before when they were planning Rebirth, when they came up with like the mission statements for all these different books. Was that like part? Was this moment like part of the planning of like you know have this Batman character be here and this one here and it's all Batman pulling the strings in the background to prepare them for whatever the rebirth mystery that him and the Flash are probably going to be investigating in the next couple months here since their books are going to cross over. Right. So I just thought that was cool. Yeah. No. That's the, story, the storyteller in me enjoyed that moment. I like that. I definitely like that because it does give a reason for, and I, I, I always thought that this is what Batman had in mind anyway, you know, by assembling his own little group of, you know, they're not all Robins, but they're all like kind of his bat family. So every time he brings the bat family together, it's supposed to, you know, it always seems to me like it's in preparation for something bigger. You know, every time he sort of gets them all together, because there's a time when he was sort of kind of pushing them all away. So when he's bringing them together like this, that's what it seems like is happening. So I kind of anticipated this, but it's nice to see that it's executed well. Yeah. That's cool. All right. Uh, any other DC books, or are we going to just kind of hop around? Um, let's see. How many do I have? I've got... Because I don't think I read... I've got, two. I've got two more, I guess. I can do them right quick. Right. Go for it. Uh, Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps, number 14, is it, it's sort of two stories. It's John Stewart... Uh, sort of letting Hal Jordan know, you know, hey, glad you're back, but I'm the core leader now, which Hal is more than uh, welcome to give John those duties. So Hal, uh, John Stewart and uh, I forget Sinestro's daughter's name, the yellow core leader, or Sinestro, the Sinestro core leaders, they're uh, bringing the two cores together to okay. work as one. So that's like one story going on. And while that's going on, Hal teams up with Kyle Rayner to go search for the Blue Lantern Corps. So that's basically the story. All right. And are you enjoying this right now? I am. Yeah. Good. I, 
I wasn't I couldn't get into Robert Venditti's Green Lantern stuff when he took over for Jeff Johns. I tried, but it was a lot of a uh, bunch of story arts leading up to this sort of crossover or make little mini event. And then at the end of that mini event, another story arc or two to lead to another event. It was like build up, build up, build up to an event, build up, build up, build up to an event. And I just didn't care. Mm-hmm. But like now it's maybe because it's shipping biweekly also, right. but uh, it's great. And as I think I gave one of my artists of the year for 2016 awards to Rafa Sandoval. Yeah. Rafa Sandoval. Cause his art and uh, have to give props to the, art, the colorist on uh, his books for this as well. Because with Green Lantern books, you have to do so much, you know, bright colors with the different color spectrums and space travel. Sure, the colorist on this, yeah, the colorist on this issue is Tomiu Moray. Yeah. So shout out to Tomiu Moray for uh, some bright popping greens and yellows in this. So yes, I am enjoying this, and good. It's the it's the Green Lantern book I'm reading because I'm not really actually I'm not at all reading Green Lanterns. Good. So. All right. Cool. And the le- the last one is Action Comics 973, which is interesting because I stopped reading Action Comics and just stuck to Superman because that, to me, has been the better or more interesting Superman tale. But uh, they just finished the crossover. I, if uh, Dirt was here, he would, you know, he's been talking about Action Comics the last couple of months because he's been keeping up with it. But right. now it's, it's another new storyline, which I think it's called, like, Who is Clark Kent? So it's basically coming down to when Rebirth started, you know, the new fit or the pre new 52 Superman took the place of the fit, new 52 Superman was fighting doomsday in, in Metropolis alongside uh, Lex Luthor, who was calling himself Superman as well with the suit of armor. And then just out of nowhere, the civilian Clark Kent just showed up and it's like how, you know, the new 52 Superman died. And of course the world knew that he was Clark Kent Superman and Clark Kent were one the same, except now this Clark Kent has come out of nowhere and he's claiming he's never been Superman. He doesn't know what people are talking about, about him being Superman. So now it's like Lois Lane starting to investigate, you know, the new 52 or the pre new 52 uh, Lois Lane, who's married to Superman investigating who is this Clark Kent. So interesting. That's all that is. Uh, And also, I guess it it ties into Superwoman as well with Lana Lane, Lana Lane uh, being the Superwoman in that book. So a little crossover or stories connecting together there. So that is my DC for the week. Oh, actually, no, it's not because oh, no. number eight. <laughs> I almost jumped over one. Go ahead. Uh, Titans number eight. So again, I guess a, whole, a bunch of books started new story arcs this week. Uh, it's like made in Manhattan. The Titans uh, moved their base of operations or set up their base of operations in Manhattan, New York, New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also Mal Duncan and his wife, Bumblebee, who we saw in the Titans Hunt miniseries pre-rebirth, uh, go to, I think it's called like Meta Solutions. It's like a company that it will either take away meta human powers or help you contain them and learn how to use them and control them. Okay. Like Bumblebee, I guess, has started zipping in her Bumblebee powers. So they take her there to get that worked out. And then she uh, finds out that Mal's already been there because he had powers also, which in, the, in Young Justice, he didn't have any powers. But I guess in the DC, he had some kind of like screaming Banshee type powers because okay. there's this one like, splash page of him screaming All right. from the past. But he didn't want his powers anymore. So he secretly went already to Meta Solutions to have them remove the powers from him. And we see like the head of Meta Solutions is uh, a guy named Simon, who I'm pretty sure is the... Simon from the Young Justice cartoon, the big 
uh, telepathic guy right. with the big head. So, of course, things are probably not as they seem there. I gotcha. See how that Interesting. goes. Interesting. And I, be- I believe Bumby's going to eventually join the Titans, so you'll can sort of guess where the story goes from there. Real quick, um, this is Titans number eight, right? Yes. So I'm looking at the art, and it's Brett Booth and Norm Ratman. So this is a an Image Comics reunion. Um, kind of a crossover between uh, Wildstorm and Extreme Studios, because I, I think Ratmund was on uh, Rob Liefeld's side of Image. Um, I'm looking at this, and Booth's art looks pretty finished. And I think it's definitely part of the... Uh, it definitely reflects the team-up aspect of the art on this. <laughs> you know? It looks a lot cleaner. It looks like there's a lot more depth to the inking. I want to see who the inker is. Um, you know, I know uh, we kind of poke fun at you for being a fan of Booth's art, but I think this is actually a pretty good... Uh, oh, it's Brett Booth and... Brett Booth as a pencil and Ratmund as an inker. So I think um, Booth is definitely one of those artists that need a pretty strong inker with a heavy hand who's going to embellish a lot. <laughs> so I see what people uh, don't like about his art. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. There are points where it gets very like cartoony. Yeah. Like bit like very over exaggerated facial expressions and body movements, but I don't mind it. No, I listen. For whatever reason, his art really has kind of evolved into this direction. I liked his art back when he was doing like backlash. I think it was a backlash? Yes. Or black. I, I actually told him, yeah, it was backlash. I actually told backlash. him that told him that on Twitter one time and he was like, Wow, you went way back. Yeah, man, that's I, I go way back on on you know for Brett Booth. I remember Backlash. I like that. That uh, I think I got like the first two or three issues of that. Yeah, I do too. All right. So, all right. So, I think that wraps our DC coverage this week for comic book reviews. I'll throw in my one non-Marvel book, my one other non-Marvel book this week. Uh, so, you know, I've said or I've said I've long said that uh, on the show that I'm a huge fan of Rom Space Knight. And I kind of approached the uh, the the reboot of Rom um, in IDW. Um, you know, I I definitely you know approached it very cautiously, and I jumped off Rom after or or, or in the midst of the awful Revolution crossover. So um, you know, I was kind of interested to see what was going on in this annual, and I was pleasantly surprised because it is this annual contains. Um, IDW's version, their retelling, uh, well, not their retelling, their telling of a new version of Rom's origin story. And it actually was pretty good. Um, if anyone is looking to maybe uh, figure out how different uh, or find out how different this version of Rom is, I think this is a good place to start. Um, if you're looking to maybe pick up uh, this book after this annual, this is a good place to start. Um, you know, I like the story. Um, the Marvel version was a little bit more sci-fi, you know, because it involved actually turning Rom into an android, Space Knight. And spoiler alert, you know, and the transformation was, you know, had had some purpose to it. This version, the transformation of Rom and and some other folks into uh, knights was kind of out of uh, luck and happenstance, and it's a different, you know, it's a different take on. Um, uh, uh, how one becomes a knight under these circumstances. So, um, you know, but it's still, you know, it still has the dire rates. You're still, you know, they're still fighting um, the dire rates. It doesn't uh, add a a twist to some of Rom's motivations in fighting the dire rates, uh, makes it a little bit more personal. And you know how reboots are. They always want to make things more personal, you know, God forbid, um, we don't have a reboot that makes things more personal, i.e., um, uh, 
the Joker killing uh, Batman's parents. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So um, instead of Joe, <coughs> excuse me, instead of Joe Chill. So in any event, um, if anyone is even mildly interested in the character and wants to see what's up with the new reboot, uh, pick up Rom Annual uh, 2017. I'm going to see maybe if I'll look in, you know, I might start picking up the series again because I like this, um, this kind of really fresh start. I really wish they hadn't uh, incorporated ROM into the uh, revolution crossover because it kind of uh, interrupted, um, uh, you know, uh, establishing a pretty, you know, who, who for someone who for a lot of people is a brand new character. Okay. How's the art on it? Cause that's been one key Downfall uh, neg- yeah, or negative back- for negative for some of the other IDW books. The revolutionary titles. Yeah. So the pencils on this were by uh, David Messina. I don't recognize the. Um, oh, okay. He's pretty good, actually. I don't recognize the name. What has, he, what has he done? He's done some DC stuff. I want to say semi recently because I remember seeing that name. Okay. I could bring up the, I guess, our reading material here to flip through it while we keep going just to see. Sure. How it looks, but. His uh, DC stuff is pretty good. Yeah, I mean... He, no, he's not. I was going to say, is he doing that Earth 2 book? But I don't think so. I don't know. I'm going to use the power of Google to help out. Because now you've Google got... Google seven ninety nine. Was it? That's what the... At least the cover price. Uh, I didn't buy it yet. <laughs> yeah. But I'm just like, whoa, how many pages? Well, I guess it's 50 pages. It says here, though. You know, half of this is like covers that they add on. Right. It is seven ninety nine. Holy cow! Good grief! Well, I think it's a cardstock cover too. It's a definitely. Yeah, it's definitely. Cover. Yeah, I've definitely seen his work somewhere. It's a DC book recently. I have to think on it. You know, did he do? No, he didn't do a Green Lantern book. I don't know. Hold on. All right, so we've got David Messina at DC. I'm gonna have to start following this guy on Twitter to see what he's up to. But, Does it list like his most recent books? I wonder. Uh, it has him listed as artists on Catwoman, New Talent Showcase, Midnighter. This might be an older list, but yeah. this is on the DC. Uh, oh, recent activity. Let's see here. Oh, lots of Catwoman. No, this is like 2015 stuff. So, yeah, if he's got more recent stuff, it's not here. Yeah, I've seen him recently. But anyway. Well, shout out to David Messina. It's pretty good. If you open it's up your... You get for IDW. Yeah. yeah, if you look at your... Uh, what's one called? If you look at your, um, your review copy of it, it's actually pretty... Uh, it's a pretty solid looking book. Good deal. All right. Um, so you want to jump to Marvel now? We can. All right. So uh, I think we both read Inhumans versus X-Men number four. We did. All right. So, you know, my notes on this are very quick, very simple. The Inhumans are preparing to strike back. But uh, spoiler alert. Will the new humans be on their side? Will the new humans try to get in the middle as peacemakers? That's what I got out of this. I vote the humans go on the offensive, mainly the royal and humans go on the offensive, while the new humans wonder who are the good guys in all this after they learn what the Terrigen Cloud does to mutants. Like they didn't know already? I was kind no, of they, shocked. I, actually, it makes sense. Cause, well, yeah, they should have known that by now. But I guess if you're the newer folks, they just sort of come on and get thrown into the inhumans strife that's been going on. In- I guess. I mean, I guess what's... But no, wait. I wonder now. Now it has me thinking because all new humans, the ones in that book, they are ta- They were tasked with traveling the globe to get mutants out of the way of it. Right. So, which I think I th- actually what I was going to say. No, those people on that team were on limbo also, so they wouldn't know about it. 
what I was going to say is my presumption. I miss Marvel should have already known. Yeah, I was going to say my presumption is that I guess the the the, the motivating factor for this for the story is that it's it's almost like a D Day type thing, like a Doomsday uh, scenario where. Um, they're coming down to a point where it's going to be poisonous. The earth is going to be poisonous. Forget the cloud, you know, kind of traveling around the earth. It's going to be poisonous. So the, the mutants are kind of moving um, quickly to, to uh, ensure their livelihood. Um, and I guess that's the part, but I still felt like, you know, this shouldn't be a sh- shock to these new humans and they, they shouldn't, you know, uh, need this to understand that maybe they don't have, you know, maybe they're not completely in the right on this. You know what I mean? Like I, I kind of thought that was a little bit off, but ultimately, you know, I see the I see the setup. I like that um, the new humans um, have uh, you know minds of their own. They're not just blindly following the um, the the will of the the inhuman royal family. I guess this is what leads to the royals coming up. You know that that storyline where exactly where the royals are going to kind of go into space to do their thing. All right. All right. What else did you read? Okay. I, know, I, I do want to. Uh, oh, good. I do want to give props to Javier Garan's art in this, taking over for Lineal Lineal U. Uh, Javier is going to be the artist launching the Secret Warriors book out of Resurrection or in okay. Resurrection. So he'll be drawing a lot of the same people or characters from the Inhuman side that he drew here. Nice. Uh, Quake, Miss Marvel, Karnak, Moon Girl, Devil, Devil Dinosaur. And Inferno, I think, are the main members. Okay. So, sort of a warm-up for them. Absolutely. It's pretty sharp. Uh, I actually don't have that much left. Well, I guess I've got two, two books left. What are your marvels? Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, number 17. I've read this. Um, I've dropped this book because I kind of don't care to see where Bendis leaves these characters before they reboot it. Um, but I like this Gamora story. It's interesting because um, I've been a, a negative voice, I guess, for Bendis' first round on Guardians of the Galaxy uh, before Secret Wars. Right, but you've liked this. Uh, this yeah, I've liked this it since, era. Yeah. since since coming out of Secret War- Wars. I've enjoyed Guardians of the Galaxy. It's, and then like th- th- these uh, one-and-done stories highlighting each member as they're grounded on Earth has been fun. Uh, Gamora, she's obsessed with Breaking Thanos. into the Tresculian yeah. to find her father Thanos, uh, Captain Marvel and Alpha Flight, and uh, some members of the Ultimates are there to as a task force to stop her and bring her in. She kicks some ass, but ultimately gets captured. Uh, Captain Marvel tells her that Thanos is no longer on Earth. He escaped, and she's arranged for a Shi'ar transportation to take her off planet if she is in the mood to go hunt Thanos. Uh, we find out that she pulled a fast one and escaped mm. though. Right. So uh oh and then she goes she goes and breaks into the Triskillian, finds out that Captain Marvel was telling the truth and she is and Thanos is not on Earth, but now she's a prisoner in the Triskillian. Right. She herself becomes captured, so she traded yeah. places with her father. Right. So I mean, how do you feel about this rap, you know, like the kind of current status quo of the Guardians where they're trapped on Earth and Bendis is kind of, you know, breaking them up to, to leave them in a... I, I, we're not sure where he's going to leave them, but, you know, you know, as he kind of does his swan song on the book. It's fine with me because these are... It's almost like this is 
been his specialty, like just focusing on character development. Mm-hmm. And plus, uh, whenever his last issue is going to be this big extra size thing, throw down where the Guardians get back together and actually fight Thanos. So that'll be, I guess, interesting. Yeah. I mean, maybe I'll tune in when that happens, you know? So Yeah. All right. Sounds good. Uh, let's see. Uh, I think we also both read The Unworthy Thor. We did. Oh, see, and we had, a, we had uh, Tim and I had, for, for the viewers and the listeners, Tim and I had a conversation just before the show started about this book. And I am not shy, not shy about calling, about naming this book my click of the week for this week because I was just uh, flat, just, you know, there's a, just totally knock for loop on this. You know, I typed out like half my notes on this book in all capital letters because holy cow, this was so epic. It was grand, poetic, thunderous. And it feels so good to be able to say that with like a full voice after weeks of being, of only choking out um, words. So, um, oh, and it looks like we're about to be uh, joined by a third member of uh, the Horsemen of the Apocalypse. Soon enough. <laughs> it's Roddy Cat. Roddy Cat. What are they feeding you? Just a bunch of junk. But, oh, no. You're underwater. Roddy's underwater. Hey, everything's well then. Roddy's underwater. So, meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice, um, uh, this issue is the fourth of, I believe, five issues yes of the unworthy thor and holy cow you know this this issue is titled war of the unworthy and um i like your note on this tim that uh there is like a tag you know we were talking about tag ourselves being a tag team now we're three person tag team um but there being a tag team of artists on this issue doing uh various um uh, uh sequences that are based on um periods of time so we have olivier Coypel with uh, kim jacinto doing present day um odinson uh, fraser irving doing some young thor stuff awesome awesome isat ribic coming back to do worthy thor stuff and uh, uh regular thor artist russell dowderman doing uh some more unworthy thor stuff so you know shout out to this great combination of artists doing this book a lot of justice um we have lots of flashback uh sequences about thor and uh you know, how he kind of discovers how to be worthy of Mjolnir. Um, we, we kind of flash forward to the present day where, where the Odinson is fighting through the hordes of the collector's armies to try to get to the, um, spoiler alert, if you haven't been keeping up with uh, the series. Um, the hammer of the ultimate Thor has sliced its way through time and space and found its way to uh, old Asgard which is unfortunately in the hands of the collector. Uh, Beta Ray Bill, um, I forget which goat this is, Tooth Nasher or Tooth Grinder, and um, Thori, um, the uh, Loki's old dog, are here, and they're battling to try to help Thor get to um, Ultimate Thor's hammer. And uh, lo and behold, uh, some of the um, Thanos' was it the Black Order? Is that what they were called from Infinity? Yes, the Black Order. Yeah. Right. So two members of... Uh, Thanos' Black Order have uh, become uh, some of the some additional antagonists in the book, um, Black specifically Black Swan and Proxima Midnight, and they are also part of this battle to claim the Hammer of the Ultimate Thor. Um, 
basically, you know, we're flashing back and forth. Um, I know Tim, you weren't, you know, you weren't completely uh, uh, knocked over the way I was by this book, but I felt like, you know, we were, you know, this, you know, we're finally getting to the point where he, uh, where the Odin son, spoiler alert, finally makes his approach to attempt to claim the ultimate Thor's hammer. And one of my favorite, favorite sequences is that, you know, we find, you know, we basically discovered during the, 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 the current Thor books that um, I guess each Mjolnir has its own uh, personality is kind of sentient in its own way. Mm-hmm. And this particular Mjolnir, like for the board? right? This Mjolnir, this particular version of Mjolnir, the ultimate version, is not whispering; it's actually screaming. And what it's screaming is, "Where is my Thor?" And I was just like, "Oh, you know," <laughs> you're saying, Tim. I said it's like a pet. Yeah, yeah, to a certain extent, it's his owner, right? It's like, "Where is I mean, my Thor?" And I'm sense. like, "That's crazy." So of course, you could also say that that is the um the the Mjolnir is um screaming <laughs> screaming about what the fans want also. That's true. That's true. So there is um there's actually a funny scene here. I I, I don't know if it's um it's not a goof. Jason Aaron doesn't goof. But Thor he tries to fetch the the hammer and he doesn't get blown up the way some of the other characters and the collector have. So you know, it's kind of funny that Thori of all of all beings, this dog, this hellhound, is uh put its uh, chompers on the ultimate Thor's hammer, and he's not getting blown away or you know like kind of uh, 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 pushed away by uh, magic. But um, you know, just the final sequence. Seriously, the final sequence, the cliffhanger ending, and I don't want to spoil it, but it's so good. You know, it just it absolutely blew me away. It's an easy, clear pick for click of the week for me. So here's a question I've been wanting to ask y'all about this book because I haven't really been I haven't been reading it. But has anyone gone back to the Thor's miniseries to kind of see if it, whether they have connected up? I guess the connection is that, um, or if it connects up like you like like. Well, the connection is just basically through Secret Wars because of the hammer, I know. the dupli- the, the, the duplicate you know version and the nature of it. Right, because we see, if I recall, we see at the end of uh, that Thor's miniseries. Uh, I believe the the ultimate uh, hammer lands somewhere. So is it at the end of the Thor's Yeah. Oh, okay. So yeah. So that's that. Yeah, that's the connection. Um, that's the only connection. Yeah, the Secret Wars ends. The hammer goes flying in the air. Right. Yeah, but it lands to, Yeah. Right, and it, it lands on Asgard. It lands yeah. on Asgard, which is okay, where so this tie up. Gotcha. Which been sitting because no one can lift it. Yeah. Right. So the collector stole Asgard. Asgardia, I guess they call it. Okay. I was curious about that. Yeah, seriously, Roddy. Like when you get around to reading this, I know you may want to like catch up on the rest of the series. But that last, you know, that last, the last two page sequence. Oh, it was awesome, awesome. Jason Aaron, you know, absolutely blew me away with this one. Yeah, I don't. Given his other work, I don't doubt it. So, what have we actually done? Because I don't know outside of this. We've basically reviewed DC books, and we're in the midst of Marvel. I hit an IDW book, uh, the ROM Annual. Oh, you actually read that? Yes, I did. And actually, I, uh, um, just very quickly, I recommend reading it because it's actually a pretty interesting, not a retelling, but a re-envisioning of the ROM origin. It's actually their or- is origin. So if you're you know, kind of looking at that as a jumping on point, it's, it's worth the read. Although I didn't realize there was a $7.99 cover prize. You know, I may actually go out to uh, the shop and pick it up, but uh, you know, it was pretty interesting. You know, it was a pretty good read, I thought. Gotcha. 
Did y'all do Justice League uh, Power Rangers by chance? No. Go ahead. Okay. The the well, this as at the end of uh, the first issue, or in the midst of the first issue, the the Rangers and the Justice League kind of get into a mini scrap. This is kind of the ending of that, wherein they kind of actually they don't really come to blows with the exception of the fact that like Flash pulls Jason out of his Zord. But um, by the time that happens in the middle of the book, they kind of come to an understanding with each other, and that understanding being uh, Wonder Woman has her magic lasso around Kimberly, who is still in her Zord. You know, which of course tells the truth, and that pretty much starts the ball rolling for them to get caught. You know, calling off the punches because there were a couple of like other scenes of like Green Lantern coming in, and then the Zords getting called, and you know, a couple of things here and there. I think Batman's uh, the Batmobile still had gotten taken away, but Superman kind of came after after Kimberly, which is th- this um, issue was amusing by some of the dialogue in it because you see Superman kind of come along and, and says, miss, I'm going to have to tell you, I'm going to have to ask you to pull your, um, basically pull over your pterodactyl type situations. And then once they start to talking later on after the, after the fight's arcing, you know, they're the Rangers apologizing for mistaking them as evil. But the first person they ran across was like Batman. So they wasn't sure. And on their world, you know, the, the good guys don't necessarily aren't, aren't as uh, intense as Batman is. So they weren't sure. And there was even a, um, there was even a statement by like Flash, between Flash and Green Lantern talking about if I ran across Batman and I didn't know who he was, I'd fight him too. And, and Green Lantern was like, "Yeah, yep, true, basically." So the the book has been fun so far. That said, um, on the other side of that token, we see Lord Zed run across Brainiac, and then they start, um, for lack of a better word, brainstorming. And then some monsters get left loosed, and um, and then the, the the league and the Rangers go off to start fighting said monsters. After uh, Batman blames the Rangers for bringing the monsters to their world, of course, because you know he's Batman. So, because he's Batman. <laughs> like I said, that was a, that was a couple of good decent dialogues. Because even then, I, it was like I just can't take this seriously because the Power Rangers are involved. I know you and Will West, and it's I fun, believe though. Tim are all Power Rangers fans. I'm not. Uh, I'm like, I'm so it's, it's, like it's like out of all the crossovers, and granted, there have been some crazy ones. I mean, if you can take Batman to Ninja Turtles, I think this one's a, 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 is just as palpable, you know. Mm-hmm. So, but so far it's been it's been pretty light. Like it doesn't been like there's been no Legion of Doom type situations or no grand screams. It's just that okay, you know, misplaced dimensions and some some goings on so far. You know, I I was kind of surprised that it was Brainiac that was the one that Zord, Lord Zed comes comes across. Or vice versa, I should say, as opposed to like say Luthor. Well, maybe not Luthor. You know, anyone else. You know, Brainiac was a was a weird pick, but hey, there it is. So that was cool. And did y'all talk about Titans? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Well, but, I don't really have much else to say about it, but you know, I'm, I think I'm like a issue or so behind. But that was interesting right. events, I guess. We haven't had a chance to speak about Ms. Marvel number fifteen. I, I I'm hoping you read it. I did. Um, pretty much. So, as I said in my notes, Kamala turns on her location <laughs> because um so as of last issue there was this online troll and, Yeah, I, I I called it a cyber stalker because of yeah. basically what uh what transpires. It's not just trolling but actually Well, but there was also in the right. shape uh, their their avatar was in the shape of an actual troll. True enough. So, but yes, you're right. This is more of a more of a cyber stalker who apparently was going after who was messing with not only her but some other person in the in her school, 
Yeah. So Kamala, as she's wanting to do, kind of went after this person. She um, she found out where where he could have been, or found out something about from found out where he was, and come to find out, hey, he was right outside of where of the location she was at. Or was he? Exactly. And then a fight breaks out, which you know starts off not going well for her, but then she kind of gets an upper hand and. Um, yeah, some some questions are still up in the air. Yeah, I mean, essentially, this you know, it's kind of this story uh, it plays even with superheroic elements and like kind of superpower elements. This story is actually very much uh, rooted in the real world and a lot of real world concerns um, based on cybersecurity, you know, and all the idiots that that are worried about Hillary Clinton's emails. Um, yeah, no, you know, the current administration is cheese, you morons. Yeah, exactly. So, but all politics aside, because we try sure. not to do too much politics on the Convo Chronicles. Oh, no, um, so, the, you know, the setting that G. Willow Wilson uses in this oh, is no, so no. very much, you know, unsettling because it's so realistic. Because ultimately, what ends up happening is that um, the, the, the cyber stalker, the cyber criminal in this, um, set up someone to take a fall because they set up someone. Uh, by masking their IP address or by rerouting their IP address through a, a different router. So, um, you, you know, try as she might, Kamala, with her hacking skills, can only get so far and is basically chasing this cyber criminal um, who, uh, spoiler alert, knows her secret identity and is taunting her with it, mm-hmm. uh, with that knowledge. Um, you know, like I said, it's very unsettling and we, we're left with a cliffhanger because. Um, uh, Kamala discovers that you know she has not successfully shut down the cyber the, the cyber stalker and the cyber stalker has absolutely um, gotten the upper hand so far. So um, this has been a uh, it's been a pretty um, uh, good uh, story arc, and like I said, it is definitely rooted in a lot of real world concerns. You know, it started as something that that's that was so seemingly innocent. You know, someone who maybe who she was uh, uh, who was who was uh, stalking her through this. Um, uh, MM, what are the what's the acronym? Multi, oh, multiplayer. MMORPG. Yeah, exactly. Through one of those, but now it's, it's more of a um, it's more else. of a MOBA. I think what she was playing. Well, I was about right. to say, you know, you would know better than I what these things are <laughs> online nowadays. I'm old school. I'm like Vin Diesel, you know, playing D and D with paper and uh, dice. You know, right. for those who know, it's more of, more of like um, the the name sounds more like Warcraft, but it seems more like say League of Legends and Smite type of situation. There you go. There you go. And I'm holding up the cover because it is like because it is it is a great cover. It is a video game inspired cover, just like the last one was actually. Now that I think about it, right? This is a mix of uh, video game uh, references too. This is like a yeah. mix of Mario like Brothers and and another, you know, like where there's like a troll looking dude throwing axes, right? Yeah, or a warrior dude throwing axes. Actually, yeah, you're right. You might it probably is more of a Mario Brothers than than that because that would be like a hammer of the situation. So. Right. So, but uh, this was a great book. I like this. I think Tim uh, was surprised that I didn't pick this as um, my click of the week because I usually do. But Unworthy Thor was awesome. <laughs> and I've only got one other. I've only got one other book. Period. Yeah. So do I. Uh, was it Black Widow number eleven? It was not. Ah. So what's your book? Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy number seventeen. Oh, we did speak about that. Okay. Well, go on. Give us your. Uh, uh, not sure what you said about it, but you know, Gamora versus parts of Alpha Flight and the Ultimates. That was only going to go <laughs> a certain way, which is I find it funny that um, 
you know, Alpha Flight is still kind of Alpha Flight. Mm-hmm. So they seem to be the work, weaker of that bunch. Th- there is a part of this, like this book was an interesting read, but it still also kind of feels like, like Benesis still doesn't get a couple of characters, some characters, or at least the way he r- wrote them in this one. Because, and maybe it's just me, but that, that America uh, characterization was slightly off. You think so? Off for like punching jokers, but not really. Honestly, I couldn't tell you if it was on or off. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I don't think the character has gotten as much play. I mean, that I would know what her character really is at this point. And I think she probably is well suited for her own solo book because the character needs some development. Mm. Well, I, I really think she don't. She's definitely going to be continuing to be shaped. Right, Especially with her new 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 book, but like going by turns in like say uh, Young Avengers, Young Avengers, we, and even parts of um Ultimates, we kind of got an idea, you know. Yeah, we just I think it's a, I think it's a more of more of a vague inkling at yeah. this point. So I, I'm no. I'm looking forward to seeing the character develop, and um I, I'm actually jazzed about um a, a hip hop cover for once, <laughs> in, for <laughs> once in the recent past because when I was looking up. I was looking up uh, the, the 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 inspiration for this week's lone hip hop cover, oh, which is right, which is a Kingpin. It's actually a Killer Mike album cover. Yeah, I had to look it up myself. So I had no idea what that was. Sorry, Killer Mike. I know you as part of Run the Jewels. I didn't know you had a solo uh, album with this cover. You know, with something that looked like this. Yeah. So no, but I did. Just, I just didn't know. So yeah, yeah. ultimately, um, when I was looking that up, I noticed that the America hip hop cover. Uh, alter, you know, the alternate cover for n- the number one is a tribute to uh, the Hamilton uh, uh, album cover, the right. Hamilton soundtrack. So I'm going to get that. That was pretty cool. Uh, yeah, I think that was another one where she, uh, and I, I'm thinking that's a variant where she was like doing formation or something. I believe that's another variant they have. Right. That's a good point. I don't know if yeah. that's going to be uh, for that book or for another book. Um, yeah, I think it is, at least, but I'm not. In, I'm not entirely sure. I remember seeing the the article on it anyway. But it wouldn't be the hip hop cover then. Would they no, 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 no. I'm just saying it was another. Yeah, just another. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that that said, um, I guess we can rapid fire just my my last Marvel book because uh, you don't have any other books, Roddy. Uh, no, that was it. Um, like I said, uh, that that fight was was interesting and it was pretty much Gamora focused. Her still trying to go after Thanos. Um, you know, Carolyn, I'm telling her that she's that he's not there, but she didn't believe it, so she still tries to infiltrate the Triskelion, Triskelion, which she does, and comes to find out that uh, everything that was being said was true, and now she's in a place. Uh, we also find out that Monica Rambo is a fan of Grimora, right? And was a little jokey there in the beginning of the, the of the fight, but had some good turn. But yeah, that was pretty much it about that. Book. They're still grounded. Which the only other thing that kind of was curious about this. So there was a a, a thing in the book where they were going to hand Gamora over to the Shi'ar Empire, right? Um, and and looking back on it, they did explain it because I'm saying like, well, wait a minute. They if the Guardians couldn't get off world, but Carol's got a way to get them off world. Why didn't they take it? But they, there's some sort of a kind of excl- explanation. Yeah, basically she wasn't able they, to work it out. Yeah, yeah. All. Which I was like, well, I guess that's convenient. But I'm like, that's. Like half of them been wanting to get off world, so I don't see how that that didn't happen. Anyway, well, um, just to wrap up, Tim, did you have any other books? I was done. Cool. All right, so I'll just rapid fire Black Widow number eleven. Um, basically, this the series is coming to an end soon, um, and I think you know I think the character has kind of run its course in terms of a solo book. 
Um, you know, it's been, you know, it's, she's had two solo runs in the recent past. So I think, you know, uh, the character can probably, um, you know, the series, a solo series for the character can kind of go off, uh, back onto the shelf for a little while. That's just my opinion. Um, because this issue basically, uh, was kind of not a retread because I guess this is just a very familiar idea for the Black Widow because it's always fun to see Natasha go up against subsequent guests slash test subjects from the Red Room. And I feel like that's a story that they've done before, you know, especially with Yelena Belova, you know, the blonde Black Widow. So um, I feel like once they wrap that story up, they'll wrap up this book and, you know, it'll have a nice trade paperback uh, number of issues. Uh, and it'll be like a nice volume to read, but I th- I feel like um, they should put uh, you know they should put uh, this character on the shelf as an individual you know as an individual series for a little while at least. I feel like there's probably one other place they could go. I don't know how big of a thing it would be though, because there is still a kind of a um, I don't want to say over the resolve because they may or may not get into it. The, the fact that Tony Ho, who is on U.S. Avengers right now, who's related to Jensen Ho. Mm-hmm. Um, from Iron Man that Black Widow has something to do with him being taken away and ultimately, I guess, indirectly being killed. So I was kind of curious if something would ever come up about that. And maybe I just gave away a story idea. I don't know. Maybe. Huh? Maybe. All righty. Clicks of the week. We know what mine is. Come on, people. Mm. Unworthy Thor number four. I've said it like 20 times already in the show. <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to pick between two. Yeah, I'm not sure too. I did want to make a mention that that Tim's had something about Titans that I was kind of curious about because I thought that same thing. The the head guy of that the meta place looked like Simon from Young Justice. I thought that same thing, and I was wasn't sure if that was actually the case. And I, think I don't remember it is. Titans Hunt. You think so? Yeah, yeah. And I don't remember Titans Hunt to know outside of to know you know outside of their reference. And I don't know. I don't know if he was in Titans Hunt. No, 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 not him. But there was there was um, the stuff with Mal. Looks like oh, it was yeah. coming out of um, Titans Hunt. I don't remember because I don't remember reading it. So right. I figured. I don't know if, if he also was in that crew or, like you said, it might not have been the case. So. Okay. All right. So, Roddy, you got your pick. <laughs> Tim is still considering. I mean, I was I've got mine. But... Since I spoke about it for like. What felt like ten minutes. I'm going with Detective Comics nine fifty. Nice. Tis good. Yeah, I mean, hmm. come on, you couldn't help but talk about it for ten minutes because there's a lot to that book. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't force myself to flip through all of it, but I'm gonna go back now and read it because you seem you seem pretty enthusiastic about it. Yeah, had me hyped for the rest of the year. There you go. Um, I think. I mean, it's clearly either going to be actually not gardens wasn't for what it was, wasn't, wasn't a terrible book, but I think, oh man, um, I think I'll go with Miss Marvel. Cause I think I did love, the, I did, you will see some screenshots of justice league power Rangers, but I think I will go with Miss Marvel too. Miss Marvel 15, skip not too. Cool. Got it down. Cool. Mm-hmm. All righty. So let me get our night's first ad read in. This episode of the Click Nation's Comic Book Chronicles is sponsored by Busted Tees, your home for funny, awesome, cool t-shirts that are sure to get your friends' attention. Busted Tees puts many of their popular shirt designs on sale each week. Choose from several eye-catching t-shirts inspired by pop culture, such as 
hello, is it me you're looking for? It's actually Lionel Richie dressed up as Waldo. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty funny. And surely not everybody was kung fu fighting. It's a pretty good, uh, pretty good T-shirt there. And much more are all on sale. To help keep our podcast free, order from Busted Tees by going to cspn.us. That's cspn.us. Then clicking on the Keep Our Podcast Free link. Click on the Busted Tees banner and then shop for awesome t-shirts. Busted Tees through cspn.us. Do it today. Ching, ching. There you go. Oh. In cinematic news, Kevin Sorbo is coming to Supergirl as a mystery villain. Did we have Terry oh, Hatcher? There's been a little bit more. Yeah, I was about to say, there's been more about that um, since that's come out. Like, I think he's kind of slightly spilled the beans on his uh, character and his relation to Terry Hatcher's character. So there's that. Uh, the CW picks up Black Lightning pilot from Greg Berlanti. Black Lightning! So <laughs> Didn't we talk been... about this, like, last week? Well, it was it was, it was was not confirmed ah, after we, um, after ah, we got up. And all I, can, all I can say again is, didn't I say this was going to happen? Didn't I say this was going to happen? Like, why is it on Fox? Why is it being pitched to Fox? It should be on the CW. Yeah. What's well, one more night? There's only, what, one more left? Yeah. Uh, China White, Cupid, and Lady Cop return to Arrow for the Sin Eater. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> New Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 trailer was most popular Super Bowl ad. It's good stuff. Uh, there's a new trailer for season five of Samurai Jack. Oh, it's creepy. It's pretty good. Samurai Jack. Yeah, it was weird. It was like, wait, it's like Samurai Jack with a gun. What's going on with yeah, this? Yeah, that was. Cre- yeah, it was just. It was a creepy, creepy thing. And then I realized I hadn't finished watching the first. The I hadn't finished watching five seasons. Uh, there was a Logan Super Bowl spot. Uh, this week we also got Marvel's Iron Fist trailer. That's pretty good. Wasn't bad either. That trailer was good. Yeah. yeah. I actually wrote a little thing for it. Nice. Give us a shout out on a link. The highlights of it. Uh, I don't have the link. Did you write for the clicknation.com or? uh, Oh, for CBR. Ah, there you go. It's pinned to my my Twitter account at TimDOGG98. There you go. Kelly C. DeConnick brings Redliners, a new series from True Blood Creator to TV. Did you want to talk about this, Roddy? You have a lot of notes here. No, I mean, this is just, I mean, that's not no, more so just the article. So, okay. I mean, Skeletor Zuganik and um, uh, I can't remember the lady's name. Oh, Charlene Harris. Okay. Fans of both will enjoy that. Carrie Payton confirms his return as Aqualad for Young Justice Season 3. Cool. Yes. Justice League Cyborg is the third murder bots confirmed. I didn't hear this one. So all we need is two more in a gauntlet and there'll be some parody. I was going to say, have the other two been teased already? No, I think, as a matter of fact, this article even says it's not even sure if the, those other two are going to be any significant, but or we don't know how significant if they are going to be. Yeah, because... I'm confused. I yeah. didn't know that it was, three was a thing. Right. Is it? I don't... I mean, as we know right now, we, you know... I thought there were, we like, a, I thought there were like an infinite number of mother boxes in the in the DC universe, unless they're changing that for the cinematic universe. Well, I was about to say, yeah, but cinematically, we haven't had one up until right. this movie coming up. Uh, let's see what we get. Batman documentary shows what it takes to become the Dark Knight. Lots of money. Well, that helps. Not maybe not in this case, but it's a, it's you should check that out. Richard Hatch, Captain Apollo of Galactica fame, dies at seventy one. 
Yeah. Rest in peace. Rip Richard Hatch. Sad. Star Wars, Rosario Dawson wants to play a live action Ahsoka Tana. That's that a pretty please. cool casting. Tano? Yep. Let that is a pretty cool casting. Holy cow. Which could also potentially, if, well, I guess if that happens, and depending on where they do it, that could mean she's also still alive in Rebels. Hmm. Well, she's on Rebel. Well, I guess we don't know if she, she was, but until yeah. the, you know, so, but we, and we still don't know how that's shaped up. So. Amazon TV star ad for key role in Han Solo movie. So that's Fleabag star Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Phoebe. Phoebe is ad for a motion cap role. Phoebe, <laughs> Phoebe the best friends character. Oh, Roddy Cat, Roddy Cat. <laughs> hey, I guess that is a callback, huh? Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. And in comic book news... Image announces 11 women's history variant editions for March with 100% of proceeds to go to Planned Parenthood. Nice. Good for them. <laughs> the Brotherhood returns in X-Men Gold from writer uh, Mark Guggenheim behind a CW uh, DC TV series. Oh, yeah. Mark Guggenheim is written for both Marvel and DC. And Marvel. Yep. Yeah. He wrote S.H.I.E.L.D. Jody Hauser, Joe Eisma, and Margaret Savage unleash Faithless in April. So that's just the next uh, story arc. Yeah. Faith. Hawkeye teaming up with Jessica Jones while fleshing out her own Rhodes Gallery. Uh, a new Luke Cage series is coming from Power Man and Iron Fist writer David F. Walker and uh, Top Cow artist. Nelson Blake the second. Yeah, there's good and bad to this news. Yeah. And that's Power Man and Iron Fist is coming to an end. That is the bad news. <laughs> so and I I predicted this when the Defenders was announced. I was like, this can't be good for Power Man and Iron Fist. Yeah. Because they're gonna yeah. want to have each of the stars highlighting their own book. Yeah, I was bummed because I remember you saying that, and then there was also some chatter about the other way on that, and I'm like, no, come on. Yeah, they can coexist together. Yeah, it kind of sucks because you know what was what's cool about even though I'm a little behind on Power Man and Iron Fist, I picked up this week's issue, looked through, and I was like, oh wait, I'm behind. I don't remember what happened with Alex Wilder and all that. But um, because they're talking about, it, I'm like, I must have missed a couple of issues in between. Um, you know, I mean, I have them, I just haven't read them. Right. Um, so, but but at the end of the day, the best part about Power Man, Power Man and Iron Fist is that it's a callback. It's a shout out to uh, you know the old school book and how you know their partnership you know was this great you know buddy cop you know uh, movie um, with you know with uh, superheroics and you know obviously they do have you know it's it's in their best interest for Marvel to portray the characters that are on the Netflix series you know in a similar light in the comics and obviously with the defender series coming up too, you know, to put them all together in that, I, you know, I understand that, but you know, it sucks that it's at the, at the cost of a, a great power man and iron fist series, you know, yeah. with art by, uh, by, uh, by a friend of the show, Sanford green, mm-hmm. you know, who's also, listen, Sanford green is always awesome. When I run into him at a con, he remembers, you know, he remembers our, our show and he's always joking with me that it sounds like I'm trying to interview him every time I talk to him. <laughs> so how true is that? It's pretty true because I ask him like <laughs> I ask him like deeper questions than like the random fan that walks by and says, "Oh, I like your stuff. Can I buy something?" You know, 
you know, I asked him, like, so what do you think about, I totally forgot, I think I asked him about, like, the role that Power Man and Iron Fist were playing in Super, in Civil War 2, and um, he, he totally came back and said, are you interviewing me right now? Is there, like, a microphone, like, in your hand, uh, you know, that you're going to put up a, a quick, uh, uh, you know, a quick post or something online? And I'm like, no, no, I'm just taking notes. So, but anyway. Anyway, Matt Wang said, I feel like Agent 70 would have made a great hellhound in the movie Jason Aaron. Nice. In the preview of Teen Titans number eight, Mount Duncan gives his wife Bumblebee some shocking news. Which, upon reading it, did not seem to be that terribly shocking. Maybe I'm missing something, but. Yeah, you're not. Arrow trading cards for season three are out late in in February, aka this month. We still collect trading cards, I ask. Eh, You'd be surprised. Somebody does. Yeah, they still print I mean, them. I, would, I don't know about trading cards, but I still get like card games and stuff like that that are, you know, adjacent to comics. Listen, at Matt Wang ninety seven and I used to trade the very first series of X Men trading cards in class when we were in high school. Oh, we were so bad. <laughs> okay, latest acquisition. What's that? The Marvel Munchkin game. Okay. We're like, what is that? Yeah, it's a. It's a card game that's like um, you're you're basically you're basically playing against each other or, or, or a bunch of people. But the the Munchkin thing is is a has been used for different brands, and so you're basically taking turns rolling and taking turns going to get loot and stuff like that. It's 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 a little bit more toy because I'm still need to see what's different about this one. But it's interesting. You're basically fighting monsters and getting loot and you know going against whoever you're playing with. Okay, seemed cool. Lumberjanes is being turned into a children's novel series. Cool. And comicsology is doing Black History in its own in its own words. Well, no, no, no. The book is out. That I just put the link to comicsology because it was easy to do. But the book is out in also digital and physical form. Oh, okay. Uh, it's by Ron Wembley, and um, I'm saying those interested should check it out. Nice. You know, I appreciate everyone in there except for Kanye. Yeah. <laughs> so that's awesome. All right. So I guess we can wrap up this week's uh, episode when I finally pull up another ad. And a wild dirt appears for the last I minute. I made it just in time. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> the fourth horseman has appeared. Oh, does that mean the apocalypse begins now? Oh, yeah. That's uh, right. Thank you. already has. But- Holy cow. Yeah. You're reunited and it feels so good. I kind of fell asleep there for a little while. Ah, well, hopefully you're feeling better, Dirt. So I was gonna, I was actually getting ready to wrap the show, but if you want to go through and do some and take care of uh, some stuff on your side, go ahead. Reviews, uh, you can comments. Give us your click of the week for one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. Well, I mean, just some things real quick. I don't have like all the files up and ready or anything. Um. But Justice League of America Rebirth. Uh. I. I it's okay. I mean, it was a thing that was there and it happened, but. Uh, nothing really exciting in there. Just them going around grabbing people and saying, "Hey, yeah, getting the team. back together." Yeah. Uh, the biggest problem I had with it, though, is that he said, "I need a team of of real people who aren't gods." And he grabs a woman who can shoot fire out of her hands, a guy who's a flying nuclear reactor uh, Lobo. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's like he kind of failed in his. Uh, but they aren't attempt. gods. Yeah. Hell, I mean, technically, <laughs> well, he's the Flash or Green Lantern. You know exactly. what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> um, whatever. 
Yeah, I was about to say, I was about to say, Derek, what, what, our joke, and 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 uh, you know, if you go back into the uh, into the recording later on, you'll find out that basically what we were saying is that all right, so we've got you know, you can kind of see some of the the check boxes being checked off at members of the team, but what demographic is Lobo addressed to? You know, like what? Who, well, he's just he's he's the muscle. He's just the brick. Yeah, I guess that's what he that's is. There to break things. But I, I mean, th- my biggest problem is though it just feels like the B team. Like this is all the second stringers, you know. Yeah. Um, th- it's really not a thrilling lineup of characters. Um, I did enjoy Inhumans versus X Men number four. Cool. Um, I thought it was another one that was really good where they took a few characters and spotlighted them while everything was going on and gave them enough room to to breathe and to play. Um, and it was nice to see Mosaic actually being used for something. Right. Because um, he was, you know, such a big deal when he came out, and then they gave him a series that nobody read, and then he just kind of, like, disappeared in the background of the Marvel Universe. So uh, it was nice to see him make Magneto almost look like he's going to pee his pants and have to run out of the room. Uh, <laughs> that was good for me. Inside, a, a PP joke is always good, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> um, Action Comics is, again, spectacular. Uh, just doing what Dan Jurgens does, building subplots and growing stories and um, making it feel like a real living world, um, you know, taking the small things in the background and slowly building them up while building the rest of the world around them. So um, I give a lot of credit to that book. It's always interesting, and the fact that it comes out every uh, every other week, you know, it's never stale. It never gets old. Uh, you never feel like you have to go back and reread something to understand what's going on, and it's always, you know, right there. Um, um, one thing here I do want to pull up real quick. I'm trying to... Uh, get the image here. Uh, did I do it? There we go. Terminal Protocol. This is a book that came out from, of all places, a company called Scout Comics. Um, and Scout, I believe, actually grew out of another company. Uh, what was it? Atlas? Was it the rebranded Atlas that started a couple of years ago using the old uh, Marvel moniker that has fell into disuse? Um, but anyway, mm-hmm. um, this book is a science fiction story that was originally supposed to be part of an anthology. And the anthology fell apart. And so it kind of sat there for a while uh, with no home until they finally got it together to print as its own standalone book. And it is basically another one of those stories where it's uh, robots and cybernetics and what's human and what's not. And, you know, where does the robot end and the person start and what's the soul and, you know, whatever. Um, we see that in, like, Cyborg, uh, you know, recently. They've tried to tackle that. But it does a really good job in this book. Uh, I was actually blown away by how good the story was, considering it came from a guy who it's his first time writing the story. Um, it, the artwork is a little funky. It, um, the guy is a Spanish, I believe, uh, who did the uh, artwork on here. So it's got that kind of European cartoony look going to it. You can kind of see the exaggerated hands there on the cover that give you an idea of what it looks like on the inside. It's, it's good. It's just a little cartoony for how deep the subject matter gets. But I thought the story was really well done. Um, it, it ends in a way that you don't see coming. Um, the story actually gets pretty dark uh, for a while. Um, it was one of these books. It's four ninety nine, which is a little like, ugh, for grabbing a comic, but it is uh, thicker and oversized. It's a longer story. Um, and it's one of these things that we got in for the store, um, and I just picked one up and you know kind of started to flip through it, and then I got into reading it, and I really uh, got into the story so much that I actually bought a copy for myself to save it. So I actually have a physical copy of this. Uh, from Scout Comics of all places. So Terminal Protocol is definitely something that I think everybody should uh, take a look at if you love sci-fi, especially that 
you know, almost like a Twilight Zone style sci-fi or uh, what's that show on Netflix? Um, Stranger Things? No, 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 no. Is it Black Mirror? That might be it. Roddy, you're talking and you're muted. <laughs> yeah, Black Mirror. Yeah, yeah, Black Mirror. Yeah, so it has the feel of like the, a show like Black Mirror, uh, you know, where it's talking about technology and kind of the darker side of it. And it looks like things are going to be utopian. And of course, they don't turn out that way. Okay, cool. Good. That's a good, re- you know, that's a, a good uh, recommendation. All right. So that'll do it. Did you happen to read Unworthy Thor number four? I did not. Oh, you should read it. I know it's that's good. a series. I, I read the first one because uh, because it had Beta Ray Bill and I right. wanted anything with him in it. I want to read, and the others have just uh, started to pile up here off to the side. I need to get back to it. It's good. Are you said a terminal profile with your click. Uh, yeah, I'll make him a click. Yeah, nice. Yeah, especially with your, cl- your click of the week. This terminal protocol, the okay. one you see right there on your screen. Like I said, it's a book that uh, again came out of nowhere from a small company, and it's also got some neat stuff in the back too, where it's got all sorts of character sketches and design sketches. And it shows like pages and process in between, you know, pencils and then inked and then the flat colors and then the full colors. So you can see how the page breaks down as it gets worked on. So it's, it's a neat package altogether. Cool. Nice so. job. Did you oh, do that? Wait, no, wait, wait. I do need to, I do need to clarify one thing. Sorry. I did make a mistake. The artist, uh, Rim Brew, he's from uh, Germany, not Spain. He lives in uh, Berlin. So, just want to clear that up before I get angry hate mail from everybody in Germany. Oh, no. All righty. So uh, thanks to PCN underscore Dirt for getting his uh, click of the weekend. Uh, let's wrap up the show with our final ad read of the night. Help us keep our podcast free by shopping at Amazon. Visit cspn.us, then click the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down and click on the Amazon link to shop. Purchase items from Amazon as you normally would. Whether it's books, music, electronics, jewelry, apparel, etc. For every purchase made on Amazon through our link, Amazon sends the CSPN a payment that helps us keep the Click Nation's Comic Book Chronicles podcast free for our listeners at no extra cost to you. Amazon.com through CSPN.us. Do it today. Follow us on our individual Twitter accounts. I'm at MDOGG98 and at CBCron. Agent70 is at Agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. Follow Roddy at RoddyCat and at NewsNerdsNeat on Twitter and CBCaps on Instagram. Yeah. And Doug is at PCN underscore Dirt on Twitter and is it Graham Comic Reviews? Yeah, Graham Comic Reviews on Instagram. Yeah. Hey, I'm just doing it off the top of my head and getting it right. Good job. Thank you. And go to popculturenetwork.com. And we'll be back next week, same time, 9 p.m. Eastern time. Go to theclipnation.com for slash live every week to watch the newest episodes. Yeah. We are the Comic Book Chronicles, and we are signing off. Peace. Peace.